0: Less pants. Take off your pants and dance. Less pants. Turn off your pants and take
1: them off. I like this song. Wait, hold on. Make sure this says uh, vid-ya. "on video," "on video." I do feel like this is going to be an episode where, if you're listening to it, you should you should also check out our YouTube channel because we
0: we uh, came prepared. If you want to get in the spirit of this one. Put on your fanciest pair of sunglasses. Everyone should wear sunglasses while listening to this episode inside at night cuz David Bowie was an asshole, so we're going to act like assholes too. Wear
1: sunglasses inside when it's dark. If you're driving listening to this podcast and it's nighttime, no
0: excuses. Don't do that. Don't tell people to do that. Just take off your pants. Less, Less pants. pants.
1: <laughs> yes, while you're driving down the road, kick off your pants. Less pants. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> the best part is, I really think that we could probably sing better than David Bowie.
0: Well, I'm trying to sing worse on purpose, and it's difficult. I know. That's what's, that's what's, I think, funny about it.
1: Less pants. It's probably better or as good as he sings. We should be as famous as David Bowie.
0: I don't want to be famous. Did you know that David Bowie's entertainment career began with him wanting to be a mime? Mm. A.K.A. the worst type of performance.
1: Seriously, like a mime? Does anybody who has ever uttered the words, I'm going to be a mime? <laughs> I can't. I When I grow up, I want to be a mime.
0: <laughs> what the fuck? So people talk about this, Bowie fans and, you know, rock psychologists talk about him wanting to be a mime and he he like went and studied and tried to be a mime and everything people talk about this as if it was something that influenced his performance style for the rest of his career you know because like there are pictures where he's doing something <laughs> like this with his hands <laughs> or whatever miming. His mime teacher or whatever the fuck they're called <laughs> said, said that Bowie was a terrible mime. Like <laughs> Lindsay Kemp, this legendary mime, mimer, mimer. Um, he, it was original mime mummery. Mimmer. Mimmer mimer? Mummy, I think he's a mummy. So when David Bowie showed up, David Bowie met Andy Warhol. <laughs> He tried, instead of like saying, hi, Andy, it's nice to meet you, Bowie did a mime act. Mm. No talking, it like, no, I'm going to do a mime act. It's just the first thing he did, and Warhol was not sure if he was supposed to laugh or what. Right. He was like looking at everyone like, what do we do here? Then Bowie played his song titled Andy Warhol for Andy Warhol, and Andy Warhol hated this song, I mean, these are facts. you should look them up if you don't believe me. What do you uh, what do you do <laughs> so, when
1: you meet someone for the first time?
0: like this is uncharted levels of embarrassing awkwardness. This
1: is like walking this is a like cringe at a level that is difficult. Yeah. even telling the story of this interaction makes me like get a little tight. David Bowie is the ultimate tryhard ooh that is. Try hard peak status. I'm going to meet one of the most famous artists in the world for the first time and I'm going to do my mime routine. That should be career ending. I can't believe that after this, somehow he still went on to be who he was. That should have been over. Like, that's it. Like, you don't, it. Like, you don't, you have to
0: move home. Like, sorry, you have to live in your parents' basement. He's like, I'm going to show Andy Warhol that I'm an artist too. Yeah. And how I'm going to do that is by doing. Some modern stuff. Um, So another embarrassing story about David Bowie while we're on this subject is one time he was in New York City and someone pointed out that there was a member of the Velvet Underground standing over there. So Bowie went up and talked this dude's ear off telling him how much he meant to him and everything thinking it was Lou Reed but it was fucking Doug Yule the guy who replaced he basically a Lou Reed impersonator. Looked somewhat like Lou Reed, Mm -hmm. but Bowie just like jawed this guy's ear off for like 45 minutes thinking that he was Lou Reed. Holy shit. Just again. I mean, that
1: is like I can't believe that he recovered from just either one of these two things on their own, let alone both of these things actually happening in his life. What is that called in Family Guy when they do the cutaways? There's like a name for it.
0: I don't know. I don't watch awful tv shows
1: i don't well there's it's not it's like a common thing in like comedies where they like cut away to like something happening i would just like picture him like turning into a rocket ship and like blasting off the earth and never coming back becoming you know <laughs> space man permanently <laughs> maybe that's why he did what he did because he was so awkward being himself he had to create the the image of David Bowie because he realized I
0: think he was unlikable I think if he presented the world with David Bowie the person none of this would have happened because he was just such an asshole so it's almost not even worth talking about how much of a ripoff artist David Bowie was because he openly bragged about it. Just, I mean, quick examples, the song Queen Bitch, everyone loves Queen Bitch, is a shameless ripoff of the Eddie Cochran song, Three Steps to Heaven, which was a number one single in the UK. So, like, I don't think that David Bowie really thought he was getting away with something by ripping off that song. He ripped off Somewhere Over the Rainbow so hard for the song Starman that sometimes Bowie would sing the lyrics to Somewhere Over the Rainbow in his concerts. Mm. There's a very famous story of Elton John freaking out and running out of the concert hall when Bowie sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow because he was like, I can't take it. Like He's ruining (laughs) this song that I like. Oh, man.
1: I hope that they develop a time machine at some point before we (laughs) die. Because I want to go back to all these moments in time and be in the background being like, oh,
0: shit, this is the time when he did the mime thing. The whole history of rock as a genre would have to be rewritten if we could actually go back in time and see apply our modern conscious minds to events in real time none of this happens the way that it happened like the only reason that so much of what you think about music is in your head is because not everything that these people did is in your head yeah a
1: lot of people's careers shouldn't exist if you actually knew all of the god-awful cringy bullshit they did in real life
0: People don't try to find out. Like, people don't That's look all, into yeah, it. Yeah, you will
1: also, you don't want this, like, not as part of your story of life. That if you're trying to have this, like, image of being, like, an artist and weird and whatever, like, he, you're not running out and telling everyone these stories, you know?
0: David Bowie is the kind of artist where if you're a fan of his and you read any honest book written about him, you're probably going to wish you didn't read that book. Yeah. We probably should run through a fast overview of his career as a ripoff artist just for all the kids who do try to ignore reality and not read the books, though. This is real fast. Early David Bowie is just him ripping off Mark Bolin of T-Rex. And Bowie knew Mark Bolin. Bowie was still trying to be a mime when Bolin was playing as Tyrannosaurus Rex. And if you've only ever heard Electric Warrior and you're like, early Bowie was Anthony Newley, it wasn't Mark Boland. It was fucking Mark Boland. Listen to Tyrannosaurus Rex, the freak folk psychedelic pixie shit Mark was doing before T Rex. And then Ziggy Stardust and Aladdin Sane obviously get into ripping off Electric Warrior era T Rex. The next stage of Bowie's career often gets called an imitation of Philly Soul, which it obviously partly was, but it's also so obviously. At less of a remove because he just jacked this shit straight from Roxy Music. It's so annoying that I even have to point out that Bowie was ripping off Roxy Music. If you don't think that crooner Bowie is just a little bit too close to Brian Ferry's entire act, don't you think it's a little strange that this era was immediately followed by Bowie essentially hiring Brian Eno to make David Bowie albums? (laughs) Next, Niall Rogers is on record saying he's at least an uncredited co-writer on the song Let's Dance. But if he's telling the truth, it sounds a lot more like he wrote the whole fucking song after Bowie brought in a piece of trash. Niall said, keep the lyrics. I'll do the rest of it. And it sounds like he did that with the whole album too. So it's a chic album as so many times that we have talked about on this podcast, it's a chic album with David Bowie singing on it. I, I mean, I don't think it's even worth pointing out who Bowie was trying to rip off for the rest of the eighties or nineties. Cause I don't think anyone cares about <laughs> black tie, white noise or serious moonlight or this dude thinking Trent Reznor was cool or this dude trying to rip off Gary Newman. I will say that whoever David Bowie's publicists were, on the heathen and reality albums did an amazing job of convincing millions of people probably of this narrative that this aging creative person got back in touch with their muse instead of just like hanging out with the band placebo too much. What a weird arc.
1: If you really look back all the things you just touched on all of the little pieces, it weird arc to bend towards I'm afraid of Americans in the Gary Newman esque vibes. It's really strange. Now that we've sold a bunch of shirts, maybe people will start responding to them wearing our shirt. We get tagged in
0: posts all the time, I see. Yeah, if you get a shirt. At YFBSpod.com. I want to hear the stories. Oh, I definitely want to hear some stories. I bet it's a lot of people laughing at the shirt. I bet when you're walking around in a shirt that says your favorite band sucks on it, you get a lot of people who aren't dumb as fuck going, that shirt's funny. I hope. It's a great conversation starter or ender. If you're a single person and
1: you're someone that goes on dates, you should buy a shirt and wear it on a date. Mm-hmm. It's a great litmus test. Figure out right away. Oh, this person I'm going on this date with, his favorite band is Weezer. Text your friend. Hey, uh, can you call me in a minute and tell me that you really need my help? Get the fuck out of there. Yeah.
0: I'm sure that people who love David Bowie, a lot of the same people would like dis Oasis for ripping off so many artists. But Bowie was even worse than Noel Gallagher because at least Noel doesn't hype himself up as some kind of genius for ripping off the Rolling Stones. Okay, Bowie like brags about stealing ideas from Mick Jagger and brags about how Mick Jagger never tells him any of the things he's working on anymore because Bowie would just steal it. Because this is the thing. Bowie wasn't just stealing songs or like album cover artists or just ideas. He was taking entire identities. He was lifting people's personas. Nothing he ever did was original or even trying to be original. Even that lightning bolt that everyone considers to be synonymous with David Bowie directly lifted from Elvis Presley's TCB necklace. Mm. David Bowie took Elvis's necklace, painted it on his face. And everyone's like, he's a genius. <laughs>
1: it is insane it, to think that if you get to a certain point as an artist, a musician, everything you do, even if it's blatantly ripping off something else, people just think you're a fuck. you're brilliant. Oh my God, you're, you're fucking brilliant.
0: They will find a way to view it in the most charitable light. He's paying tribute. It's an homage. No, motherfucker, he's stealing shit. (laughs) It's an homage. It's a tribute. Every era of David Bowie's (sighs) career can be summed up with a direct reference to his most obvious contemporary influence and the work that influence was doing or had already done without fail, will always be more interesting and of better quality across the board than David Bowie's hit or miss attempts to appropriate it for the masses. This is inarguable. The other thing about it is there are a lot of times that he was making fun of this shit and his fans totally missed the joke. Cameron Crowe interviewed David Bowie for Playboy magazine in the 70s. Yes, this was the 70s. Yes, David Bowie was on cocaine at the time. So a lot of people are going to think that he's just saying wild shit. But you tell me if you think he's lying about this. Bowie talking about the Young Americans album. Quote, the definitive plastic soul record. It's the squashed remains of ethnic music as it survives in the age of Muzak rock written and sung by a white limey. End quote. Right before that, David Bowie calls the song Fame one of his biggest songs. He calls it a bluff that worked. In the same interview, he talks about how much of a put-on Ziggy Stardust was always meant to be. He was making fun of rock stars and people took it at face value. And he talks about how he wasn't surprised when that happened. So basically, this guy tried to make fun of a few things. People mistook it for the real thing and he got rich in the process. So he just decided everyone was stupid enough to keep doing it. Yeah, you
1: reach a certain point where it's like you uh people believing everything you're doing anyways, even when you do an interview and tell them exactly what you're doing and you make fun of your own shit basically you put it you put out the reality to everyone they just ignore it and they go, oh my God, he's fucking brilliant. And it just becomes like this like cyclical thing. You know what I mean? Like people just believe no matter what you do and no matter what you say, you're a fucking brilliant guy. But look at his hair. Oh my God, he painted his face. It's brilliant. Oh my God. He's
0: really that pale in real life. Holy shit. The song heroes, if you look at it, we could be heroes on the back of an album or something. It'll have quotation marks around it because it's meant to be ironic. It's absolutely a born in the USA situation. The quotation marks are very intentional. It's about alcoholism. It is not this epic song about how we can be heroes just for one day. Just for one day, just for one day.
1: day. I just think if you know more than 10 David Bowie songs, you're probably trying to steal my drugs.
0: This is the career of an entertainer, not a musical artist. If you're looking for the career of a musical artist, you're looking for Scott Walker. He's waiting behind door number one for you. David Bowie is an entertainer. This guy wrote the entire playbook that Madonna would come along and use later. Everything right down the line. Bowie even lied about being bisexual for attention. Madonna's, like, aggressive, in-your-face, confrontational sexuality, Bowie did the same thing. And I know people think that this guy was some kind of great equalizer who helped non-straight people become accepted in the mainstream, but that is an entirely false narrative. And all you got to do is go back and read David Bowie interviews, read him talking about it, read him gleefully laughing about how much controversy he caused by saying he was bisexual. Then keep reading his interviews till years later when he starts saying he got all that gay stuff out of his system when he was younger. Then keep reading his interviews until he starts saying that pretending to be bisexual was the biggest mistake he ever made. In that interview with Playboy, he told Cameron Crowe, quote, it took a bit of exposure and a few heavy rumors about me before the gays said we disowned David Bowie. And they did. Of course, they knew that I wasn't what they were fighting for. End quote. Doesn't get any clearer than that. I get it. I get that you thought this, and I get that this is a huge fucking part of your identity, but it's not. Yeah, that's like really
1: actually fucked up. It's
0: super fucked
1: up. It's fucked up in today's terms, but it's also just fucked up in general. Even if you weren't to apply our current views on these things retroactively, it's just still fucked up thing to do to pretend that you are something, knowing that this is a marginalized group of people that is going to get people talking about you, but it adds to his story. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, um, it's something interesting for people to write about your life. That's not accurate. Well, then you're just a liar using real lives and things that people lives, that people really live to garner attention for yourself. There's no other way to look at it, and that's not just applying the way that we look at the world today retroactively. No, it's yeah. just shitty, and it would uh, will always be shitty. It was messed up at the time. It was messed sure. up at the time.
0: And then the other thing, like I, I don't think that there is any evidence that anyone can show me that david bowie caused gay people to become more accepted i don't think that that's a thing i don't think you can say that because the reason why he did this shit was to just shock people he was doing howard stern stuff he consciously did it to try to get a rise out of people it was his only self-serving goal yeah and there's no there i don't think that there's anything you can point to to be like my dad hated that i was gay and david bowie pretending to suck his guitar player's dick on stage made my dad accept me for who I am. Do you really think that? No. Fuck off. No, come on.
1: Well, yeah, it, it, it does, also doesn't make sense because David, was, he was so flamboyant. David, are you friends now? Yes, we're on first <laughs> term, first name basis. <laughs> Mr. Bowie, uh, you know, was so flamboyant in his image with this crazy hair and the makeup or whatever and the way that he dressed. What, I, I don't know, wouldn't it make more sense if it was like if we're going to try to just uh, going through the accepting who you are route, you would just be more of a quote-unquote, I guess, normie or something like that, which a majority of people don't dress extravagantly. They live normal lives.
0: His own band in this period wasn't into this androgyny business. like Because yeah. they had to wear makeup and they didn't like it. So there's there are all these stories about... Uh, The spiders from Mars on stage, they would dress all wild like Bowie had him rip off the outfits from uh, Clockwork Orange Mm -hmm. and they would wear like makeup and wigs. So the fans of this, the people buying the concert tickets, they go full punk rock. For UK punk rock of like, oh, this is my entire identity. I dress in this costume all the time now. Mm -hmm. So they get invited to like the hotel room parties after the show. These people show up dressed like they're in the Spiders from Mars. And then the guys actually in the Spiders from Mars (laughs) open the door, dressed like they live in Seattle or some shit. (laughs) Like just like jeans and a t-shirt, like dressed like us right now. And the kids are like, what's going on here? Aren't you, aren't you the Spiders from Mars? And they're like, that's our job, idiot. (laughs) <laughs> How many people in all of existence
1: have met their, well, I, I guess it really, especially in a, with somebody like Bowie, who is, it's so image oriented, but you know that like, again, like his bandmates and people around him, like, of course, when they're going on TV or doing live sets, like they, you know, that's not really who they are as people. Some
0: people. Well, this is who Mark Bolan was as a person. Sure, but But definitely not who. who, The difference is you're looking at Bowie going like, "Oh, who Mark is as a person would really work for me," (laughs) and I'm gonna do that, but performative. Um, This is kind of wildly off topic, but also exactly the same thing. The very influential stand-up comedian Lenny Bruce. Apparently, there was this dude in his friend circle. It was like exactly who everyone thinks of when they think of Lenny Bruce. It was this guy's super hilarious, real personality. But this guy had like crippling stage fright and could not become a stand-up comedian. So Lenny Bruce was just like, oh, I'm going to do him, but on stage. Mm-hmm. And boom, like famous as fuck. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing. In the Strokes episode, how we talked about how they had to break them overseas because the people who lived where the Strokes were from weren't going to fall for all this biggest band in New York bullshit. That's how they pitched them overseas in the UK and broke them over there. Opposite with Bowie. If you go read old Mark Bolin interviews from this time, he'll tell you. People are talking about Bowie in America right now. It's never going to last because I, I come from where he comes from, back home. No one gives a shit. All right? We have to go back to... I just... I can't.
1: Get over the fact that he was a—he wanted to be a mime. Like, that's what he wanted to do. I wish that he had been a mime, because we wouldn't have to listen to any of this shit. It would be amazing if he was the most um, most famous mime in all of history. That'd be great. What would he have done as a mime? Because mimes just wear, I guess, like, I don't even know. They paint their faces white. Yeah, I just, I guess, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess... It's just gonna like resonate in my brain no matter what we talk about this entire thing is he wanted to be a mime, but it all kind of makes sense. He wanted to be a fucking mime, but he couldn't even do that, so of course he's gonna steal everything. I have no original thought in my brain i i I failed as a mime. I like what you're doing. this is mine now. I'm so weird look at me i'm from uh I'm from space, I'm spaceman ha <laughs> ha ha, corny motherfucker, space
0: oddity was basically a novelty song. Don't, Don't tell anybody th- that. The, the moon landing happened and everyone thought that we were going to be like colonizing space within 5 years because we put a person on the moon. It was just like a novelty song, you know. Um well, I do got to say one more thing about the fake bisexual thing because I know that people are going to come after me at, at, for this. I know that David Bowie had sexual encounters with men. Those were gay for pay. All right. (laughs) Literally everyone who knows him says that's all it was him doing anything he thought might help him get famous. David Bowie is probably the single biggest opportunist that we have ever talked about on this podcast and maybe even the biggest snake of a person. The whole reason one of his eyes, one of his pupils was permanently dilated was because when he was a kid, he tried to move in on a girl his friend was dating. So his friend punched him in the face mm. or hit him with a rock or something. I don't remember what happened, mm. but nearly every musician who's ever worked for David Bowie has gone on record saying the guy was sweet as all hell for as long as he needed you. And then he just drop you like a bad habit and walk away. Almost everyone he's worked with. He's had problems with Yeah, these guys. Su- he's almost like some weird social parasite. Just like taking what he needs only for him. Take, 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 take the most charitable thing for sure. He did was like, bring, Iggy pop out of a country to keep him from doing the drugs that he was doing and help him make two albums. That's great. But then you've got to take into consideration all of the mojo that David Bowie was just like sucking from Iggy pop the whole time. I mean, this guy like definitely tried to practice magic. You cannot tell me that he wasn't doing spells on people (laughs) to try to steal their talent. Have you
1: ever seen uh, What We Do in Shadows? Yes. Oh, my God. Have you seen the show, though? The energy vampire guy? Like, he's basically that guy.
0: It's like that, but for talent. Right, exactly.
1: Like, instead of like him being dull, he's like, but look at me. I'm so crazy as he sucks like the life out of everyone around him.
0: Dude was in the hunger. It's I don't think it's a coincidence or an accident that David Bowie has played vampires on screen. hmm. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Although the creepiest thing he probably ever did, at least as far as an actor goes, would be kidnapping children
0: in Labyrinth. Yeah, we should probably talk about Labyrinth, I guess. That's a big deal to people who saw it when they were a kid. This is one of those movies where if you didn't see it when you were a kid and you watch it as an adult, you're just gonna be like. What the fuck? It's weird.
1: It's, it's at the, Usually movies when you watch them as a kid are fucked up and then you watch them as an adult and you're like, oh, why did I think that was fucked up? Oh, because I was a kid. But
0: Labyrinth is the exact opposite. I didn't see it until adulthood. I was like in my late 20s when I saw Labyrinth and I was just like, this is one of the stupidest and most fucked up things I've ever had to sit through.
1: Labyrinth for me, because I saw it as a kid, was awesome. Labyrinth for me with children, not awesome at all and mortifying. They steal the kid. Yeah. Like they like she's a babysitter. She's babysitting the kid. I think it is it. I don't know if it's her brother. I can't remember the exact thing. Whatever. And
0: is they, it they, Toby? Is that the kid's name?
1: Yeah, they come and steal the baby. That it's part's awesome. Up.
0: It's like I like it
1: that they steal the baby. No, it's not. It's steal, fucking disturbing. Babies, stealing babies is fine. It's disturbing. And then she has to go get him back. And all the while David Bowie wearing his fucking giant dick piece
0: that he's wearing like piece. Yeah. Apparently it was even bigger and they reduced the size of it. Also, if you don't think Labyrinth is fucked up, go find, uh, what's Jim Henson's son talking about it. Not only is Labyrinth fucked up, everyone who was making it knew it was fucked up the whole time. Like Jim Henson's son talks about how, uh, the Goblin King Bowie's character, was meant to represent adult male sexuality. Yeah. Which, is it Jennifer Conley? Yes. The actress, which she is threatened by because she's like becoming a woman. So she's threatened by adult male sexuality. And that's the whole purpose of David Bowie's role and character. Well,
1: I mean, he's, you know, steals the baby. And then he has like a 10-inch cock wrapped up in his fucking pants. And it's obvious. like It's like a wadded up giant dick in his pants. Not even hidden. And it's a little bit weird that this is like marketed to children.
0: You know what's a better movie than Labyrinth is The never-ending Story. Oh, way better. And
1: there's no David Bowie in it, so it's great. And there's no, there's no dicks in it. There's no like.
0: There's a flying dog dragon. Yeah, it's fucking great. Although when the horse dies, it's that's really that's sad. a super bummer of a scene. But Ugh, also there's so n- there's nothing in Labyrinth that could affect you emotionally on the level of that scene. Or, oh no no no
1: no no. Definitely not. That's way. That's like you, you, when you're a kid and you watch that, and the the horse is dying. Like you're crying.
0: I would probably cry right now if I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> uh try, <yeah>. Ooh. <laughs> Remember that horrible band. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, So, yeah, like all that David Bowie ever wanted was to be famous. And it's kind of, it's surprising how rarely this comes up on this show. The whole, a musician who only wants to be famous at any and all costs. You would think that would come up on this podcast, but it really doesn't come up that much with someone who's only hungry for fame. But a trend that I've noticed is a lot of the bands that this comes up with are from the UK. Mm -hmm. Like the Sex Pistols, Oasis, The Clash. These are bands that saw American rock stars and the star part of the equation yeah. is what really stuck in their minds as something that they then wanted to attain. Well, I do think that the dead giveaway to how much someone wants
1: to be famous is when they're not even really that good of a musician and they decide they, they want to be not that good of an actor also. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to be mediocrely good at music, although people launched me to fucking stars. I want to be mediocrely good at acting and, you know, make up for my lack of acting skills by the size of the socks you stuffed in my in my in my pants.
0: If you want to see some real bad acting, watch David Bowie in Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. I would love to know what accent he thinks he's doing. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's like a Georgia cross with Louisiana kind of thing. This, This is what I think.
1: I think when you're not, when you really are a mediocre musician, but you are launched to this huge status that you don't deserve, you think you can do anything. You think, oh, I can phone it in as an actor. But what makes actors great is it takes skill. Madonna did this too, by the way. Yes, it's like, (laughs) it takes, like actors, a good actor or actress, like it takes skill in work and it's hard. You've been told your whole life, you're a fucking brilliant artist. You think, oh, I can just show up and be an actor. And you can't. It's obvious. Well, because A, you're not even that good of a musician. People just, you know, buy into your whole story. So you show up on set to be an actor and you suck
0: at it. And the way that they make up for it is by giving you a giant dick. Well, and then they also just had him sing a bunch in Labyrinth too. I know. <laughs> then they make like, like oh, "This guy can't." Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> he can't even read his lines. Let's have him sing the
1: lines. You know what I mean? Well, is Labyrinth a musical? No, but oddly enough, David Bowie's singing his parts. I would classify it as a musical. It whatever. kind of is, but it, I hate it's got like musicals. Eight songs in it. It does. I yeah. I guess maybe it could be a musical.
0: So I don't think that we will ever talk about someone who wanted to be famous more than David Bowie wanted to be famous. This is what absolute desperation toward fame looks like. So much so, this guy wanted to be famous so bad that there's no chance he ever would have become famous if he didn't get a manager who instructed him to stop acting like he wanted to be famous so bad. Tony DeFreeze, I think is how you say this guy's name, told David Bowie to act exactly the opposite. He's like, bro, you are so thirsty for fame that it is never going to happen for you. Bowie was such a little career-minded opportunist who would screw anyone over, scrounging around for any bit of attention that he could get, trying to climb one rung on that social ladder a day. And this manager told him That if Bowie ever wanted to be famous, he had to stop opening doors for himself, both metaphorically and literally. (laughs) And literally. And I'm serious. He was like, you've got to stop trying across the board. In fact, what I want you to do is if you're ever going somewhere with another person and there's a door that you have to walk through, just stand there until they open it. Mm -hmm. If they stand there and just like look at you and like, what are you doing or ask questions? It doesn't matter. Never touch the door handle. Early 70s, I think this guy tells him to do it. 1972, Ziggy Stardust, boom, famous as fuck. This is something that this manager did with multiple artists, okay? This is not proof that David Bowie is talented. It's proof that this guy's trick works.
1: Which just paved the way for so many other artists we've covered on this podcast, especially bands that have a shtick, which is at some point became a thing. Everyone had, you had to have a shtick. You had to have like a David Bowie moment. You had to either dress a certain way or look a certain way as part of it. You can't just make music. Like it's always about the story and the narrative and the image and like the, you know what I mean? Like and it's crazy how many people have been launched into mega fame levels like David Bowie for just being mediocre at everything he ever did. But he looked cool. He looked, you know what I mean? Like, Arguably. I, I mean, mean, I think a I lot think so. of his
0: haircuts were terrible. But man. he
1: looked again, I think if David Bowie came out right now and did the exact shit that he did back then, nobody would care. It just, it's, it's just, it only works because of the time that it comes out.
0: There are a hundred reasons why David Bowie would not be famous if he came out with this shit right now. Mostly because uh, he people probably see through his bullshit. Well, so as soon as he got famous, this rock star shit went to his head so fast and he just became even more insufferable than he was as a thirsty little fame hound. And then he fucked around and got addicted to the one drug that makes you share way too much about what you're thinking while you're talking to journalists. Yeah. He got a cocaine addiction and then just ran off at the mouth. One of the reasons that whole Rock Against Racism organization or movement or whatever you want to call it even existed is because of how much David Bowie could not stop gushing about Adolf Hitler and fascism (laughs) in interviews he later said that he was mostly interested in the history of the Nazis, but that's probably what you would say after your idle fantasies of becoming a fascist dictator got printed in newspapers, right? He said, like, I think I could have been a pretty good dictator. He starts talking about how uh, Adolf Hitler was basically the first rock star. He was, like, as good as Jagger, is got what it. Bowie said. I mean, like, can you fucking imagine if any person said this in an interview right now dude any person someday many
1: many years from now when we decide that we're no longer going to make this podcast the thing i'm going to be most grateful about is i don't have to talk about nazis anymore yeah i don't have to talk about (laughs) artists and their fucking weird obsession with nazis yeah jesus christ it was like it's a lot of them it was like but look how adolf hitler was such a fucking crazy narcissist and everyone loved him or whatever they believed in their head oh i mean i don't want to be hitler because he did fucked up shit but maybe i kind of want to be
0: hitler too i want to be hitler without killing people if you ever find yourself saying the phrase it's not like i support nazis but if you have to say but just stop Good God. Just ne- Don't do it. whatever you're thinking is wrong. Okay. It's incorrect. We don't have to argue over where the line is. Nazis are on the other side of the line. Okay. Wherever you want to put the line, Nazis are on the other fucking side of it. Zero percent tolerance for Nazis. Yeah. Just leave the fucking Nazis out. of There's got to be other charismatic people that
1: maybe you, that didn't do horrible shit that you can look at and go. Are you talking about his albums now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: I guess this is a great career to pay attention to if you just want to track all the changes to a celebrity persona. But like this music is trash. Honestly, this is the truth.
1: I did not realize some of that. He actually was the performer of some of the songs until I was doing this episode. It's like, oh, I did not even realize that was Bowie. That's how. Like golden years. Yes. Uninteresting to me that it is that David Bowie, it was David Bowie. Perform this song or whatever.
0: Oh, well, I mean, yeah, like when we're using words like write songs, it's kind of weird when we're talking about David Bowie songs also because his lyrics are straight nonsense most of the time. I mean, this is a guy who is literally trying to use the William S. Burroughs cut up method to write songs. So it's straight nonsense. Put on your red shoes to dance the blues away that's just getting you right in the feels every time you hear that, huh? I just like get, get me to the church on time. Mm. This is the epitome of an artist where people know like one lyric in a song, and then uh, like silently mouth the words "watermelon" for the rest of the lyrics. Like, <laughs> at least eighty percent of most David Bowie songs are just him talking. First of all, and then he'll get to the part where he like does the caterwauling, like when he says "flower" and "let's dance" or whatever. You know, like. Mm-hmm. What like the best thing to me about listening to David Bowie is imagining the faces that he's making when he's pretending like this is singing. Yeah. There's a lot of like I guarantee like the veins in his neck and he does like the jutted teeth out a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like he took one step past being a mime and like talked and got a music <laughs> got a music career out of it the bridge or middle eight, or whatever you want to call it in the song fashion. Perfect example of the lyrical nonsense in this guy's song where the part where it goes, listen to me. Don't listen to me. Talk to me. Don't talk to me. It's like, dude, stop saying one thing and then immediately contradicting it. And then the, the, it ends with him just going, Oh,
1: no, I think that's cocaine, man. That's cocaine straight up and down. Like you just don't even know how you feel from one second to the next second. I need to talk. No, I don't. Fuck, don't leave me. Don't talk to me. We got to talk some more. I got to tell you everything. Oh my God, why am I still
0: talking? We are the goon squad and we're coming to town. Beep, beep. (laughs) Dude, is, so deep, man. So, and then the thing is, is like, fucking obviously, he's working with stellar musicians on a lot of these albums. Like, Robert Fripp is seriously, easily one of the five best guitar players of all time. Mm. So, yeah, he's got Robert Fripp on these songs. But it's this, I mean, it's the same situation as this always happens. Like, once you let David Bowie freeform poetry over it or whatever the fuck he's trying to do which by the way he definitely lifted almost all of this approach from iggy pop who very famously improvised most of the lyrics in most of his songs yeah but at least he was like that's
1: what he did iggy pop meant it right yes that's the thing right Can't fake that
0: well you could try just be david bowie the influence that david bowie had on iggy pop was to make iggy pop less like iggy pop Stooges' concerts could only last for 30 minutes because Iggy Pop would go out on stage and physically exhaust himself and probably lose his voice Mm -hmm. from just screaming. Mm -hmm. And that was the Stooges. That's what they were there to do. Mm -hmm. So then when David Bowie starts working with Iggy Pop, he's like, all right, you got to like calm down, drop your voice real low to like the Sister Midnight range, Mm -hmm. the nightclubbing range, slow this all down. I mean, I love those albums because Iggy Pop is fucking rad, but David Bowie literally just made Iggy Pop less Iggy Pop. Yeah. In order for David Bowie to then take that percentage of Iggy Pop for himself. This is going to be a, a very controversial episode of this podcast. But And one of the reasons why it's going to bother people so much is first of all like they know him as the Goblin King from Labyrinth, so they think he's awesome ever since they were little kids but the whole thing with David Bowie for most of his career goes back to like that fake bisexuality thing people viewed him as an outsider the space alien Stranger in a Strange Land Robert Heinlein all all these like ideas they view him as an outsider so people who feel like outsiders themselves feel understood or appreciated or accepted by David Bowie so I mean like one of his biggest songs on Ziggy Sardust you're not alone go back to 1972 tour this in whatever arena is closest to all these people who live in shitty little towns in the middle of nowhere where everyone considers them a freak because they're a little bit different mm-hmm put this guy on stage with this, I'm a space alien backstory and have him scream. You're not alone at arenas full of people. How does that not work? Mm -hmm. How does that not sell Mm -hmm. in record breaking numbers? Of course it works. But, like, the Internet exists now, and furries know that they're not alone. Okay? Everyone knows that they're not alone. So there's just no use for this. The world has no use for David Bowie anymore. I guess it really, you know, people probably, I guess, gravitated toward it. But if you really think
1: about it, how that got dragged out, like, if you attached yourself to David Bowie at some point in your life because you were thinking, like, oh, he really is, like, you know, making how who I am more acceptable How disappointing would it be as David Bowie moves on to the next thing that's popular and changes his entire image because trends evolve?
0: And immediately start shit-talking the previous thing that he was doing, which he did every time. Every time he switched personas, identities, genres, whatever he was doing, he would immediately start talking shit on the last thing he did. It's got to kind of be devastating or certainly
1: a bummer for people that became big fans of him because of him doing a certain thing or being a certain way, and then it just turns out a couple years later or a decade later that it was all bullshit and all a shtick. If anything, it would make you feel alone again to go, oh, the guy that I kind of put on this pedestal who was screaming I'm not alone maybe isn't what he said he was and maybe I am alone. But it's, I guess it's just, it's fucked up when artists, which is a lot of them do, and David, David Bowie definitely did, just kind of chase trends and put themselves out there as being weird and look how creative I am. But it's really not. It's just a trend. It's just something for the moment. And I'm going to move on and I'm going to shit talk or you know blast all the things I used to be or the way I used to be or whatever. But that meant something to people.
0: You can tell how personal David Bowie fans make their fandom of him if for no other reason, like, have you? Is there any other artist that has this many horrific covers of their songs done by other artists? Dude, just the song Heroes. If, if the only thing that David Bowie did was put the song Heroes into the world and it became the level of song that it is still fuck David Bowie just for that alone. (laughs) There are so many trash, unnecessary covers of this song. How many years has Depeche Mode been ending every concert with their cover of Heroes? I don't even want to know. Have you ever heard Peter Gabriel do this song? No, I have not. Fuck, it is terrible. Really? So bad. I, nothing
1: worse than people that take an already bad song that doesn't mean what they think it means, and they put their own twist on it, which just makes it even worse.
0: I, I was kidding,
1: and you, you are a dolphin. We could fuck dolphins. <laughs> we could eat euros every day.
0: Man, you listened to a lot of Weird Al when you were a kid, didn't you? <laughs> probably did,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that's something I definitely want to talk about. Like, as far as Heroes goes, obviously that is just a Brian Eno song. And if you have never listened to the two biggest, most popular Brian Eno albums, uh, Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy and Here Come the Warm Jets, go have your mind blown by that. Like if you like listening to Robert Fripp's guitar part on Heroes, which yeah, it's fucking awesome. Robert Fripp is fucking awesome. Brian Eno is fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, anytime that Brian Eno comes up in an episode of this podcast, we're talking about the same thing every time. Like Brian Eno went and made an album for someone else and you think you love you too. You think you love David Bowie. You love Brian Eno. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Brian Eno is like,
1: a theme that is through so many episodes so many bands that we've covered and it's really because the people the bands that we've covered have just butchered all of his hard work brian Eno would be an amazing is he still alive i assume he's still alive yeah yeah he's he's still still alive
0: alive. he also gets pissed at bowie a lot because bowie like never gave him credit i mean low they were on opposite schedules like Bowie worked at night and Eno worked it in the daytime. So, Bowie was literally asleep while Brian Eno was mm-hmm. making most of... The B-side is all instrumental. Like, that's just Brian Eno. Right. Like, how... This isn't a fucking argument or a conversation. It's not a debate of any kind.
1: I mean, I know that Brian Eno is very famous and very well-known or whatever, but like, to the general public, now, most yeah, people it, are gonna say they know who David Bowie is and not who Brian Eno is. Yeah. You know what I mean? But... So many of these bands, records, not just songs. It's not like, you know, like on a Justin Bieber album or something like that, where each song is produced by 10 different people or something like that. Brian Eno was kind of the guy and he produced these entire albums front to back and just somebody else put their face on it. Or they would come with their shitty ideas and he would be like, oh, this is cool. And then, you know, turn it into an actual song. You believe the lie, that's what it is. And David Bowie is the perfect example of believing the lie. You believe that David Bowie was a fucking musical genius, but he wasn't. He was just a guy that could have been anybody that was tall and skinny and awkward looking and was willing to take his mime career, set it to the side and become this other person. It could be somebody else. You could take all of these songs, put a different person up there and we would be
0: doing the episode on that person. That's the truth. Bowie's biggest talent, and this is going to sound like a positive thing when I say it, but it's not. Bowie's biggest talent was just committing to the bit, which like maybe that's what he took away from his mime studies. Shamelessness. Because like to be a mime, you have to be fully fucking shameless. Yes. Of course. You have have to to, literally not feel anything. You have to commit to the bit. And so like, that's what he did it in. Music persona across the board. Like he is not a good singer. I mean, if you want to hear some wild shit, just go listen to Under Pressure, the song that David Bowie recorded with Queen again, and listen to the difference between what Freddie Mercury does on that song oh, man. and what David Bowie does on that song. Okay. It's the, really it's weird. It's the difference between a singer and someone who's just committing to the bit. But it's not
1: a singer and a showman. Whereas Bowie was just a showman. Nothing else. Not even on the same planets. These are like, that song is the perfect juxt- juxtaposition of an entertainer and an actual singer and entertainer.
0: Freddie Mercury was such a good singer, he went on stage wearing like a fucking diaper sometimes.
1: Gotta think if, if you were gay at the time and you were, it, it wasn't as obvious, it wasn't as accepted as, as it is now, you would look at Freddie Mercury. As being the person you could mimic. Because he was actually not faking. It was really who he was. Named the whole fucking band queen. Yes. Okay. It was who he was. It was not a shtick. He could sing his ass off. He was super talented. He would go on stage in front of stadiums full of people being whoever he wanted to be. Because it wasn't fake. It was real and he could sing his ass off. I guess it would just be insane to think that like Bowie would even take the call. Like obviously maybe they're friends, but like, so Freddie's like, Hey man, you want to be on this song? The proper thing to do when you can't sing and you're not talented is to go. I appreciate the offer. But Bowie believed his own lies. So he was like, of course, I'm going to be on this song with Queen and you're going to blow me out of the water. and I'm going to be this weirdo mumbling words in the song the whole time. He was
0: brazenly unqualified. I, again, like the, this is David Bowie's biggest actual talent it's just being brazen about his lack of qualifications to be doing any of the things that he's doing. I mean, in some sense, that is admirable. I get it. In the same sense that like being just an unrepentant dickhead the way that he was. Yeah. In some sense, that's admirable. Like at least he's not pretending to not be a piece of shit, opportunist, careerist user of people. One time I was talking about uh, George Jones on Twitter. And I, I I was talking about like, I mean, obviously, I was probably just talking about like how he's the greatest country singer of all time which means that he's one of the greatest singers of all time in any genre. Sure. But I was talking about how that doesn't necessarily make him something that you want to listen to all the time. Sure. Because it's intense. Listening to someone sing about the kind of shit he's singing about, the way that he's singing about it, could emotionally destroy you. Sure. It is risky. It is a dangerous, risky listening experience. Comparatively... David Bowie is some shit that people put on when they're getting ready to go out at night. Like his, I'm sure that his biggest selling album is Let's Dance. There's not even an emotion on that song. It's just like fucking dumbass party music. And you can sing along to it. Sure. So the, the reason why I even mentioned Twitter in the first place is because I was talking about the George Jones part of everything I just said. And someone agreed like yeah i don't find myself putting on george jones to listen to very much because he's too good of a singer and i can't sing along to it (laughs) so flip that hypothesis and david bowie is popular as fuck because anyone can sing along to this yeah anyone because you can do it at karaoke heroes has got to be in the top 50 karaoke songs no way top 10 think so oh hell
1: yeah dude I have heard that song so many times. That is definitely a song that gets sung once a night. It might not be the David Bowie version. It's like one of those dumbass songs that they're going to do somebody else's version of it for a karaoke.
0: They are not allowed to use the backing tracks of the real version. So like, even if it is the right, David it Bowie, technically is so the... that, that Fripp guitar line, that's like multi-tracks guitars done karaoke style. <laughs> 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 just, how would
1: you even do that I don't know people don't care because they get drunk enough they're like oh, I love this uh.
0: the way that Robert Fripp recorded that guitar part is one of my favorite uh, studio production stories by the way just in just in case there's anyone who doesn't know this I expect most people who have made it this far in this episode do know this already but just in case there's anyone who doesn't know this ebos are a thing that exists but Robert Fripp gets pissed every time someone mistakenly says that he used an Ebo on this track or any track. He never used an Ebo. Uh, What he did was figure out how to manipulate his guitar's natural tendency to feedback in order to create a unique sustain. So this guitar part is a product of him figuring out two spots in the studio where if I'm standing here with my guitar, it's going to make this note feeding back. And if I'm standing here with my guitar, it's going to make this note, but he wants the note to change suddenly as if he's actually changing it on the string. So what he did is jumped back and forth. Like when you hear that guitar note change in heroes, it's Mm. because Robert Fripp has jumped from one in relation to his guitar amp, like physically over, over to another spot, yeah, like jumping yeah. like seven feet away. Mm. That's fucking rad. Like, that is a creative musical genius. David Bowie had zero percent involvement in this activity. And then, just to be safe, they had him record it twice. Mm-hmm. They're like, go ahead and do it again, just so, like, in whichever one we like more, we'll use it. And they ended up. Stacking both. That's how that guitar sounds that way. So it's really hilarious to me to imagine just like a karaoke version <laughs> yes, of I was going to say, the way that this all culminates <laughs> is in the fact that all of
1: this work, dedication, and interesting recording styles goes into a song so that it can be like completely obliterated and sung every night around the world in some shitty karaoke bar. Just
0: for one day.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. Which, quick side note, when I first visited, karaoke note, I should say, when I uh, (laughs) visited Nashville one time before I moved here, I went to a bar downtown that doesn't exist anymore. Seeing as how I'm not from Nashville, and honestly, I don't really think I ever went to a karaoke bar until I moved here. It was because karaoke wasn't very popular where I'm from. But one of the things that blew my mind was how... Fucking serious people take karaoke in Nashville. Yeah. It is as if they are trying to get discovered and their way of getting discovered would be to do karaoke. It's a stage to the point where there were people playing fake instruments on stage. Like they had prop guitars that somebody wanted to play a song. You could get up on stage and play this obviously unplugged in guitar Along with the person singing, it was one of the most insane experiences to experience for the first time. Because I remember thinking like, oh my God, these people are really trying. This is their moment. Dude, if we ever go on tour, if your favorite band sucks or oh, yes. ever does live shows, like the opening thing, because you know, like everything has to have like an opening act. The opening thing is-, is you fuckers. Yes, is going to be karaoke. And everyone that comes to the show- Gonna do some songs and it's gonna be the opening hour th- as everyone's getting their beers and taking their seats, it's gonna be karaoke. God, it's gonna be so good. But but karaoke no, aside, you're not allowed to sing fucking
0: heroes. That's no for sure. David Bowie songs allowed ever. Because if David Bowie is your favorite band. Your favorite band sucks. You're welcome for listening to your favorite band Sucks. If this was your first episode of the podcast, please trust me that you need to listen to at least five more before you will understand what you just heard. If this was your 80-somethingth episode, because I'm pretty sure that's about how many we've done, then you are extra welcome for finally giving you the David Bowie episode we've been lying about releasing for, I guess, three years. You can say thanks by going to yfbspod.com to get a link to the episode and share it everywhere you can share a link to a podcast. And you can swing by the merch store to pick up a shirt or a sticker or whatever else for yourself or someone else. If nobody needs any swag but you still want to show your appreciation, you can throw some cash in the tip jar we have set up in the store. I think I may have mistakenly referred to the B-side of Low when I meant to refer to the B-side of The Heroes LP, and if so, that's my bad. But both of those albums were pretty much made by all the same people, so I do get them confused sometimes. We did talk a lot about Brian Eno producing albums that some fools are gonna say Tony Visconti produced, but check the songwriting credits on those albums and go spend a couple hours reading about how they were made. Then go listen to the Bowie albums Visconti produced without Brian Eno in the studio. Yeah, that's why Eno was pissed at Bowie, because he definitely deserved a producer credit on Heroes, Low, and Lodger. Alright, that's about it for this outro. When the podcast returns in a couple weeks, we've got a little something different for you. Everyone loved our mailbag episode a while back, and we're always talking about how dumb our YouTube comments are, so several months ago, Mark and I recorded an episode where we look at and respond to some YouTube comments. It's too bad this Bowie episode wasn't released in time for those comments to be included because I'm sure they will be awful, but hey, that's how it goes. Speaking of going, go fuck yourselves.